Welcome. There it is. Hey, guys. Welcome to Salt Company. How you doing? Yeah, fine. Cool. Well, I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for asking. <laughs> hey, my name's Austin. I, uh, I have the privilege of leading freshman ministry here at Salt Company. So if you're a freshman, would love to meet you. I don't know if you heard, tomorrow would be a great opportunity to meet me while we're on the road going to the lake freshman retreat. Who's stoked for freshman retreat? It's going to be a good time. It really is going to be a good time. Uh, but hey, I'm really excited for tonight. I love being here with you guys. Love worshiping Jesus with you. Love opening the Bible, talking about what it says, and uh, responding in worship again. That's what we do every week. And there's good news. There's good news that I'm going to share tonight, and just want you guys to have open ears. Just listen, take it in. I'll ask some questions along the way. Would love for you guys to even just like think about the questions as I ask them. That's pretty much how you can go about this time, and I think it'll be valuable. But uh, we're continuing our, our journey through the book of Romans tonight. So, ooh, look at that. That actually wasn't there last week. That was my bad. I forgot to put the slide into the folder, but now it's here. Isaac Stacy took some sweet photos out in this uh, sweet little, like, road. Yeah, give it up for Isaac Stacy. Come on. So they were out on a little road trip, but this is just, like, to complement our trip through Romans, uh, the, the, lo- the road less traveled, the load less raveled. Anyway, the road less traveled. <laughs> okay. Hey, We're doing chapter 3 today, so if you've got your Bibles, feel free to open it up. Uh, I'll I'll guide you there as we get there. But I wanted to uh, tell you a story. I fell out of the shower one time. Yes, I fell out of the shower one time. This actually happened. This was like three months ago. Uh, I was living in this duplex with some of my buddies, and I was cleaning myself in the shower, as you do, yes. And I had my soap it was this cool Olay soap. It's purple. It's got stripes through it. It's very soft. That's why I get it. It's in the female section, but it's so soft. And I was cleansing myself. I don't know how you guys clean your feet, but I like put my foot up like that. I scrub it a little bit, and then I change hands, and I scrub my foot like that, okay? Here's the interesting piece. After you've scrubbed both your feet with soap, it gets very slippery, okay? So I put both of my feet down. They've both got soap on them now, and I, like, start little slipping, and then the motions become a little bit bigger, and I'm, like, really flailing in the shower, and so I reach for the curtain to my right. The curtain doesn't have any support, guys. So then I, like, bust through the curtain, and then I fall just bare back on the tile floor, and it was terrible. I hit my shoulder on the way down. It was bad. So I'm on just my back, (laughs) naked, on the floor, and my roommate comes walking in, and he's like, not walking in, sorry, whoa, not walking in. He came by the door, and he's like, hey, yo, did you just fall out of the shower, bro? I was like, yeah. I was kind of mad, but then I got in, you know, finished up my shower, I was fine. It's good to laugh about it. It's good to laugh about it. I was just cleaning myself up, you know? I was just cleaning myself up, trying to clean myself up, but then I wound up on my back. I was just trying to make myself more presentable, right? I was just trying to make myself look clean to everybody else. 
I was just trying to make sure the outward appearance would look impressive to people. And I wound up flat on my back. Guys, this is not just a story of when I fell out of the shower. This is my life before Christ. Desperate for attention. Trying to make sure the outside was clean enough that maybe, maybe if somebody saw me, they'd look at me and say, wow, I think you matter. You look so good on the outside. You must matter. I was just trying to clean myself up. Guys, this is where I want to go tonight. Why is that how we try to live? What are we actually trying to pursue when we're trying to clean ourselves up like that? What is worth living for? How do we actually clean ourselves up so that maybe we could show some people, maybe we might even be able to stand before God and he would say, yes, you matter. Okay, that's where I want to go tonight. Glory. This is what we're all chasing after. Glory. Something beautiful. Something outside of ourselves that demands praise. We want to chase after that. We want to chase after that. Glory is like this beautiful thing. It's this majesty, this wonder outside of ourselves, this wholeness, this completeness that demands some praise, something worthy of our attention. You guys kind of, you know this though, right? You know what glory is. It's sometimes hard to describe, but you know it when you feel it, right? Maybe for you, this is, this is like a musical moment, right? Music sometimes brings this, this out of us. It's this new like language that speaks to us differently than words do. So when there's this sweet musical moment, we feel like this glory, it just like overtakes us. When we're like in the car with our buddies and we're like, hey, yo, yo, shh, let me crank this. Did you hear that? That was awesome. You guys know what this is. Or maybe you're, maybe you're on a road trip out west, right? Because in Minnesota, we're in a little bit of a, a mountain desert. We've got plenty of lakes, but we're in a bit of a mountain desert. So we head out west, right? And there becomes this point of the road trip where you're cruising along and you look out the window and everybody start, stops talking. Everybody just gazes at the mountaintops. And if you were to try and describe all the things that you're seeing, even the most decorative words wouldn't come close to measuring the glory. So we know it when we see it. Okay, why, why is it that we are spending our lives trying for, like, more of those moments? Trying to encounter more of those glorious moments? Here's what I'll say. I think it's because God himself is glorious and we were meant to live with him. We strive for these glorious moments because that's what we were actually built for. So it's no wonder that we're searching for them. It's no wonder we're searching for glorious moments. God is glorious. He's the uncreated creator, eternally unmade, always has been, always will be. John 1 says, 1 John 1 says God is light, and in him there is no darkness. God is holy. He's set apart. He's different than we are. He's glorious. He's bigger than your mind could ever dream and closer than the person sitting next to you. Glorious. 
and we were designed for that. Because not even is God glorious, but also his whole world that he has made is actually just pointing a massive arrow to the fact that he exists because he created it all. The whole heavens proclaim that God is glorious and we were designed to be with him. In Genesis 1, it says that we were made in the image of God. That we were made to reflect God's character. We were made to be a reflection of God's wholeness. As I've been thinking about glory, I've been thinking about how it kind of reminds me of like wholeness, completeness. God's character is completely whole, completely full, and we want more of that. Okay, I have this house plant in my living room. His name is Grant. Grant the plant. Grant the house plant. Yeah, he's great. Uh, he's got great big green leaves. It's kind of like those plastic-looking leaves, nice and oval-shaped. He's a great-looking plant. And uh, basically, we like moved him into the house, and we put Grant right next to a couple windows. And so sun comes in real nice, right onto the big leaves. I don't know if you knew this, but one of the main goals of the leaves of plants is to take in the sun. Welcome to biology class. Yes, you get the sun on the leaves. The leaves soak up the energy, get some water, some nutrients with it. The plants will grow. It's awesome. I've been quite amazed at how quickly Grant keeps on producing more leaves. It's very impressive. Probably because we put him in a good spot where light is coming through. But here's the thing. One of my roommates moved Grant at one point. He moved Grant over to like this hallway portion that there's this little, kind of like this pole. How this pole like blocks part of something. Yeah. There was this like part in the house that was blocking some light to Grant. And so I thought this was kind of interesting. A couple days after I realized this, I thought it looked good where it was. But a couple days in... I walk into the house, and I see that Grant's got this, like, lean going on. He's just, like, leaning a little bit. I was like, oh, Grant. Yeah, he used to be straight up. It looked really nice. Uh, here's what had happened. Not only was his posture changed and angled a little bit, but also his leaves had turned to face where the sun was coming from. He was leaning to get to his source of life. We do this. We do this. We lean this way. We lean that way. Why? To get life. Like in a constant search, a constant quest for life. That's what we're up to. We're just like leaning this way, leaning that way. But there are so many options for us, right? That's like one of the, one of the struggles of the human condition is there's so many avenues that we feel like we could find life in especially in our day of information. There are opinions and suggestions around like every corner that want to tell you how to live. No wonder we are so divided even just within ourselves. Have you ever felt this way? Like you feel like you should be this whole person, but actually what you feel like is you're just like a clump of a bunch of different selves that are each trying to pursue like a different direction. One day you're trying to find life here. One day trying to find life in this direction. Divided within ourselves. Trying to search in a different direction for satisfaction. Have you ever found yourself 
where in that situation where like your brain is telling you one thing, but then your heart's telling you something else. Or logic would tell you to pursue this action, but emotion is driving you to make a different decision. Have you ever been on a diet? Clear example. You're on a diet. You think that this is a good thing for your body. Logic would tell you to continue working on that diet, you know, only have the greens, the good proteins, the healthy fats. But then you see the Sour Patch Kids on the counter. Please, I'd have one more. And that's, that's like your logic is, th- is telling you you should continue with the diet, but your emotion is telling you, oh, I need that sweet. Have you ever been in that situation with another human being where you're so desperate for love, but you're end up being willing to settle for sex. And your heart is telling you, I don't think this is actually what I'm searching for, but your body is saying, why not? Have you ever been in that situation where you told yourself you'd never give in to the temptation of getting drunk, but then school gets a little too stressful, relationships become a little bit too heavy, So wouldn't it feel so good to just take the edge off a little bit? And your mind's saying, no, man, this is a trap, dude. But your emotion is leading you to say, I'll have another. Have you ever felt like a divided self? Guys, this is what I want us to see, that we lean this way and we lean that way to find the thing that's going to make us whole again. We keep searching for glory in different places because we have this tendency to get whole again. We need to get our relationship with God restored again. That's what we were created for. We were made for a thriving relationship with God, but we've lost it. We've lost it. Let's see what Romans 3 has to say about this. This is chapter 3, verse 23. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If God is full of glory, full in his completeness, he is completely whole, then we have fallen short of this. In other words, we lack this. We lack completeness. We lack the full glory of God. We are fragmented, incomplete, because we have rejected God. This is all over the first few chapters of Romans. This will be on the screen as well. We suppress the truth about God. We don't honor him as God. We exchange God for images. We traded the truth about God for a lie. We worship the things God made instead of worshiping God himself. This is how the world has become fragmented, that in an effort to choose what we thought would be right for us, we rejected the God that made us in the first place and replaced him with images. We replaced him in the rightful place of glory with non-glorious things. This kind of made me think about what it was like to make dinner after a long day. Maybe you had a long day at class, long day at work, right? And the thing you're looking forward to is a nice meal, a nice meal at home. 
So you are even like kind of daydreaming about this. You're like, man, I think I should have some pesto tortellini when I get home, some nice salad, and some cheesy, crunchy bread. It's going to be tasty. The more you think about it, the more you realize, man, I actually am pretty hungry. This is going to be so good. All I need, a beautifully crafted meal. Okay, but then you were actually kind of up to something after class. It's now 6.30 p.m. before you're able to make anything. You're really hungry. And so the water's boiling, and you're like, ah, this is taking a long time for the water boil. So you go over to the pantry, you pop it open, and you get a, you know, a handful of trail mix. Pop that in. Mmm, tasty. Just something to tide me over, right? Oh, get back to the water that's boiling. Man, I'm so excited for this main meal. But then I go over to the pantry again because I'm a little hungry. Then I get the Cheez-Its. This is game over. It's all, it's all over with the Cheez-Its. Okay, so I'm making my pesto tortellini, right? Can't wait for this main meal. But you're going one at a time with the Cheez-Its. Before you know it, you've had a bunch of Cheez-Its. You're kind of full. Then you look at this box and you're like, man, these aren't very good. Why? They're the Aldi Cheez-Its. Off-brand, all-natural, cheesy-flavored cracker squares, something like this. So bad. Okay. You've just spoiled your whole meal with off-brand Cheez-Its. Now you're looking at your pesto. It's all done. It's on the plate. It honestly looks pretty good, and you were really excited to have this pesto tortellini, but you're full off of junk. And so you're not actually going to enjoy the main meal as much. You might, you might just put it in the freezer. You might offer it to somebody else. You wanted the enjoyment of the main meal, but you settled for something way worse. Guys, here's what I'm saying. We've got to stop settling for off-brand Cheez-Its. We've got to stop settling for something less than the main meal. God is the thing we're after. Relationship with him is the thing we're after, but we're settling for non-glorious things. Fall in love with the main meal. Fall in love with the main meal. God is the most glorious thing, but you don't actually believe that. That's what's leading you to go to the counter and get these off-brand Cheez-Its. Settling for less things So what is it then that you say is glorious? Right, if God's not the most glorious thing in our mind, there's got to be something that's capturing our attention that we're saying is the most glorious. Humanity has been trying to answer this question for millennia. In early civilizations, right, glory was conquering another nation, displaying the power and the might of the army. That was glory. Later down the road, it became intellectual prowess, right? Glory became the enlightened thinker. Later down the road, the United States, right? What was glory? Freedom from monarchy. Then the 1900s roll around, the suburban sprawl. Glory was a white picket fence. The freedom of happiness. The pursuit of happiness. But now... What do you say glory is? What do you say glory is? Maybe you say that glory is a 4.0 through college. Dean's list every semester. Or maybe you say glory is the resume that gets put in the save pile. Maybe glory 
for you is the perfect significant other. I just got to find the right one. Maybe glory for you is a body count. Double digits by the end of the year. Maybe glory for you is just one moment with no stress, just one moment with no panic, just one moment with no depression. Maybe glory for you is an early retirement and golf on Tuesday with the boys. Right? Something is capturing our attention. What is the most glorious thing to you? What do you need that will make you whole again? Okay, whatever that thing is in your mind, are you actually sold on it? Have you stopped to think about, man, is that thing, do I actually think that that's going to give me the satisfaction that I need? Don't settle for off-brand cheese. its just because it's going to tide you over for a little bit. That's not worth it. You'll wind up spending the rest of your life trying to convince yourself that you didn't settle. Maybe you'll spend the rest of your life trying to convince other people you didn't settle either. You'll start comparing yourself to other people. You'll start measuring your success to their success. You'll start sweeping your failures under the rug because you don't want to show them all the messed up junk. You want to show them the most daring, the most courageous, the most intellectual, the most accomplished, the most glorious you, only to wind up empty, unsatisfied, longing for something more. We've got to stop spoiling our dinner with junk food. Okay, more than this, guys, I want us to see that as we reject the glory of God and place something else in his position, it's more than just spoiling the dinner. It's actually offending a holy God. You and I have each individually, by our action and even more than that, just by our heart posture against him, have given God the finger, told him to shove it, and said, I'd actually rather do life without you, God. John Piper defines sin in this way. He said, sin is the glory of God not honored, the, holy, the holiness of God not revered, the greatness of God not admired, the power of God not praised, the truth of God not sought, the wisdom of God not esteemed, the beauty of God not treasured, the goodness of God not savored, the faithfulness of God not trusted, the promises of God not believed, the commandments of God not obeyed, the justice of God not respected, the wrath of God not feared, the grace of God not cherished, the presence of God not prized, the person of God not loved. When we reject God, we are not just putting ourselves at a disadvantage, but we are insulting the very holy God that created us in the first place. Our natural bent is against him. Our natural bent is to say this. No one is righteous. No one. Earlier in Romans 3, it says that 
All of us are on an even playing field. All have fallen short of God's glory. We've messed up and offended God by choosing other things to worship. We have all fallen short of God's glory. And therefore, the only thing capable of restoring this broken relationship is mercy. Mercy. Glory is what we want. Sin is what we chose. But mercy is what we receive. Look with me at verse 23 and 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Guys, this is the good news that Jesus Christ actually came to make us whole again. Jesus came to make us whole again because God saw us in our despair. He saw us trying to find the glorious things. He knew that we were trying to find wholeness somewhere, to find glory. He knew we needed to be put back together again, to have our priorities realigned. And that's what this redemption is all about, restoring us to wholeness. But the This redemption only comes through Jesus, only comes through the blood of his son. Okay, let's look again now with verse 25. Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Okay, the good news is that Jesus is the source of our redemption. But the source of that redemption, there's this funny word that I don't think we're super familiar with, honestly. I had to look it up. It's called propitiation, right? Whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. What does that mean? It means an atoning sacrifice, a complete sacrifice. To atone for is to completely cover the debt of. And the people of this day knew that when you offend a holy God, The thing that it demands is a payment. And the offense was so severe that the payment needed for this this debt had to be a pure lamb. A pure sacrifice, a complete sacrifice. Because our redemption had a cost. Our restoration demanded a payment. In order for you to have your relationship with God restored, somebody actually had to pay for you. There was an insurmountable debt that you owed by rejecting God for all the ways you chose the cheese it over the main meal. For all the ways you told God to shove it. For all the ways that you gave God the finger and said, I'm good without you. Your redemption had a cost. The offense was so extreme that it demanded pure bloodshed on your behalf. And so Jesus entered in. Jesus came on a mission. He lived the perfect life, a perfectly whole life, with the glorious God in its rightful place. You see, Jesus was unlike anybody else in human history. He walked the same roads that we do. He breathed the same air that we do, but he walked in a way that nobody else did. Why? Because he is God, 
the God-man, the radiance of the glory of God. He is the king of glory. But humanity didn't recognize him. Humanity didn't recognize him as such. In fact, they went so far, they went so far away from where they should be. We were so lost on our quest for glory that we ended up killing the very one who invented it in the first place. He was killed on a Roman cross. His blood was poured out and his body lay in a tomb for three days. When Jesus died, it says in the scriptures that the curtain of the temple was torn in two. This is the power of the blood of Jesus. That his payment of death on a cross would actually do away with the very thing that separated man from God. That's what that curtain of the temple was all about. It was the very thing that separated the ordinary man from entering into the presence of God. But when Jesus paid for that debt that we owed, the curtain actually ripped in two. It was done away with. Guys, this is the good news of Jesus, that God became man so that man could once again be with God. The blood of Jesus was enough to do that. But it doesn't end there because Jesus did not actually stay in the tomb. Humanity had robbed him of his breath, but death was not strong enough to hold him down. The heart of Christ would begin to beat again. The eyes of Christ would begin to open. His lungs would begin pumping air again. The radiance of the glory of God would come back to life. And in his hand would be a flag. A flag of victory. A flag dipped in the blood that he paid. A flag of victory, the redemption flag purchased by the blood of the Lamb. Salt Company, you don't have to look any further than Christ crucified to see what is truly glorious. Jesus Christ has purchased glory for you. He lived a perfect life so that you would have an example in this one. He poured out blood so that your sin would be covered. He rose from the grave so that you would be raised to new life. He conquered sin, death, and the devil so that you could fight the good fight in confidence now. And he waves a redemption flag to say, look, the penalty has been paid. It's finished. Look at him and believe that glory has been bought for you ultimately. The redemption flag purchased by the blood of the Lamb. Throughout your time in college and even more so throughout the later years, you're going to have an opportunity to wave so many flags, so many things to support, teams to cheer for, politicians to support, statements to define you, causes to endorse, flags to describe, hey, this is something glorious. Look at this. This matters, so I matter. 
But the death and resurrection of Jesus provides you with two options. You can continue your quest of glory by picking up your own flag, staking it in the ground, and saying, look, look at what I've done. Don't I matter? And you can spend the rest of your life and the rest of eternity trying to convince yourself that your flag is, is, is impressive enough for God. Or you can pick up the flag that has been soaked in the blood of the Lamb and you can stake it down and say, look, look at what my King has done for me. He purchased glory for me even when I didn't deserve it. And for eternity, you can be amazed that a glorious God would dare to save somebody like me. What flag are you waving? Look with me again, Romans 3, 23 through 25. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. Jesus Christ's atonement for you was so decisive that it even spoke redemption over sins from the past. So decisive that yes, it can actually cover up all of the brokenness that you've experienced. For some of you, maybe tonight is the night where you needed to, you needed to hear, wow, I actually have rejected God. I actually have been settling for lesser things. But maybe tonight, some of you are thinking, how could the blood of Jesus actually cover over what I've done? Jesus Christ's atonement was so decisive that it spoke redemption over anyone who would come. Anyone who would come. It covers your past sin, your present sin, and your future sin. You are justified by the blood of Jesus. So when you wave the blood-soaked flag, you proclaim that his blood, yes, was enough for me. My brokenness, my betrayal was not strong enough to keep me from being restored, but the love of God has made me whole again. And so that's the call tonight, whoever you are. The call tonight, no matter what you've done, is to wave the blood-soaked flag, to plant it in the front yard, to wave it out the window as you drive. To look at it every morning and be amazed that a glorious God would save someone like you and invite you into a life of faith. To invite you into a life of looking at the most glorious thing, Jesus Christ crucified. This is the path to wholeness. This is the path to glory. Would you pray with me? God, you are glorious. Thank you for revealing yourself to us, Lord. Thank you for giving us a desire to seek here and seek there for glorious things, God. 
because it ultimately reminds us that, yes, we were made for something amazing. We were made for something amazing. We were made to be invited into relationship with you, God. Lord, I pray that we would say yes. I pray that we would see the cost to relationship with you. A spotless lamb, pure blood from your son, Jesus. But Lord, you were willing to shed that blood for us because you knew that relationship with you is what we were made for. So you were willing to go to the cross. Lord, thank you. Thank you for purchasing glory for us. I pray that we would even just see you for who you are tonight. During worship, Lord, would you reveal yourself to us more? We want more of you. We want more glory.